0: following is a presentation of amaryland fellowship a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of christ for more information and other podcasts visit amarylandfellowship.com amen i hope i don't disappoint (laughs) y'all now that i got such a warm welcome thank you Uh, thank you pastors pam and richie we love you guys so much and it's an honor to be here thank you for the opportunity uh, to let me share the Word of God with you guys this morning. I uh, really love this church. I don't know if you guys do, but I really love this church. And even though I don't live here, I, I feel like it is my church home, at least one of them. And I guess you can have more than one because I feel like that when I come here. And part of the reason why I love it so much is I, not only just family, but just love the spirit of worship that you guys hear and what God is doing in this house. And I can tell you, when, when you come into the house of God and you can feel and sense the presence of God, there's just, you can't take that for granted, guys. You cannot take that for granted. And so I would just really challenge you. I'm telling you, if I was a part, if I lived in anywhere around here in driving distance, even halfway close then I would be here every single Sunday, serving, working, going to the growth track. I'd be there. I might even go today. They said there's food. <laughs> so, so I won't be here for six more months, but I might go. I'll serve when I come back. But um, seriously, you guys, y'all have a great church. Why don't you give it up for your pastors? Let them know how much you love them. And this morning, we are going to deal with this question, how do I overcome fear? And fear is something that I believe that we all deal with. Um, and asking questions is really healthy spiritually for us. Because when we ask questions, sometimes they're questions that you may feel like, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't be asking. But the reality is, is that when we ask questions, that means that we're searching, It means that we're seeking, that we're looking for answers, that we're asking. Sometimes the Holy Spirit needs to help us because I can tell you that I have not always had all the answers. But God God helps me. Now there are a lot of scriptures in the Word of God about fear. There's probably, found about 365 different scriptures dealing with fear in God's Word. Now, I want to start with one of them. It's Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Here's what the Word of God tells us. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen? How many of you love God's word? I know that I know this is what God's word tells us to do, to have courage, to, to, to be to be strong and to be courageous. Uh, but there's been a lot of times in my life, and maybe you would identify with me, that I haven't always been strong and courageous. And I've allowed fear to come in. And fear comes to consume you. It comes to consume your life. Now, uh, before we re- really talk about the fear, I want to talk about a fear hierarchy. Uh, you can take all the fears that there are out there. and we can, You really can put the, all the fears that are out there... Under one of these five categories. It can be all summed up in this. No matter what fear that you're dealing with. The first one would be the fear of death. How many of you are like. Yeah I don't really want to die. Now, now this one is a common fear. It's, it's, a, it's a common fear to man. You know you live and you die. And um. There's only a couple of people that's gotten away with doing it a different way. <laughs> and Jesus wasn't even one of them. So we're all going to face it. And it's not necessarily an easy thought. But I will say this it is a little easier knowing that I'm a believer. I really look at death a little bit different than maybe most of the world does because I know that being absent with this here is being present with Christ. It makes it a little easier, but I still don't want, like the transition has no good value. <laughs> I don't look forward to that part of it at all. Uh, the second fear that most people deal with is the fear of injury, um, being hurt. You can put a lot of things under this category of injury, um, how many of you have ever kind of get a little anxiety when you go to the doctor or the dentist or something like that? You're like, man, I don't know what they're going to do to me. They're going to open me up. There's, there's, a, there's fear that can come with that. Or a fear of something that might injure you. Maybe the fear of spiders. I know somebody that's scared of spiders. She's sitting on the front road. I'm, mar- I'm married to her. I, I'm not necessarily scared of them, but she's terrified. So I get to kill lots of spiders. The third fear is the fear of immobilization, like uh, having a fear of not being able to, to take care of yourself, being immobile, you know, being stuck or confined to a wheelchair or a bed. Um, maybe you don't really face that fear, but there may maybe some of you do, and that's definitely a fear. So those three fears are real physical fears. Now, the next two are a little different. They're, they're still fears, but just a different type of fear because it could be the fear of isolation, the fear of isolation is a fear that you would find like the fear of rejection, uh, maybe pushed to the side like you, you're not accepted, being forgotten, uh, being marginalized. So those are, th- that's a fear of isolation that m- maybe no one's ever going to care about me. No one will ever see my problem, my need. Um, and then the fifth fear is the fear of humiliation, which I kind of felt right as I was coming up here. I got a little nervous, got a little scared. <laughs> Uh, you know, public speaking, it could be way worse. I mean, my fly could be unzipped and it could be bad news. You know? I did check, though, before I walked up, so I think everything's good. I think. But how many of you know that is a fear? You, you guys ever had those fears? But what happens behind all of this is we focus on the fears. Um, and, our, and our focus can really get on the fear, on the thing that we're dealing with that's causing us fear... The reality is is that the enemy has a plan for fear in your life. And as much as God has a plan for you, which I love to know God's plan for you. God's plan, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, that, that that the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, are plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I'm glad that I know that God has a plan for my life, that I can stand on that plan that he has for me. But as real as God's plan is for you, the enemy also has a plan for you. And Jesus outlines the enemy's plan very clearly in John chapter 10, verse number 10. He says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I like the other half of it that says, but I have come that you may have, have life and life more abundantly. But he outlines the enemy's plan for us. And the enemy uses fear. Fear is actually a spirit, and he uses it. Fear is on a mission. It wants to consume your life. And so it's not really about what you're afraid of. And so we, we can always try to fix our fears, but there's something much deeper that needs to be exposed today. Now, we're going to do that, but we're going to do it through the story of Gideon. So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, we're going to be in Judges chapter 6, verse number 11. Starting in verse 11, the the word says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the abirat, something. Um, I, I don't know how to say all these names in the Bible. I don't even pretend to. <laughs> okay. Where his son Gideon, I do have that name down. Was threshing wheat in a rhyme press to keep him from the Midianites. Now here's the deal is Gideon is dealing with fear in a way that you and I can relate to. He's a part of Israel. Israel is God's chosen people. And so through the whole, um, especially the Old Testament, everything that we see that happens in the Old Testament, God is revealing himself through God's people, through Israel. But they had a consistent struggle that we also have in our lives. God commanded them to follow him. And if they would, that there was a promise that he would bless them. And if they strayed away from that promise, that it wouldn't necessarily go good for them. And so, if you look back a few verses from where we just were in Judges 6 1, the Word of God tells us that the Israelites did not, excuse me, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. For seven years, he, the Lord, gave them over into the hands of the Midianites. Now, the Bible goes on to say that because the power of Midian was so oppressive that the Israelites, they would prepare shelters for themselves in mountain cliffs and caves and, in, and, and strongholds. Wherever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites invaded. They ruined the crops, and they didn't spare a living thing. They didn't, they didn't spare sheep. Cattle, donkeys, nothing. They, they killed everything in, their sat, in sight. In fact, the Bible even goes on to say that it was impossible to count them, the raiders, those who come in. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. So can you just imagine, here are the Midianites coming in. They're here, they're going to destroy the crops. They're going to kill everything in sight. And there's so many of them, they're swarming And so everyone is running to hide in fear. They're going to caves. They're going to wherever they can go just to to find some sort of safety. Now Gideon knows this, and he is living in fear. He is threshing wheat. We find him threshing wheat in a wine press. Now this is not normal. This is not where you thresh wheat. You don't thresh wheat in a wine press. I didn't just know that. I had to learn it. But it's not normal. You're supposed to thresh wheat in a field because you need the wind to help you separate the the wheat and the grain. Because of his fear, though, Gideon is hiding in a wine press. He's hoping that no one's going to find him. He's hoping that, that the Midianites will pass by. Maybe they won't notice that he's there. But he's here, and he's hiding in his fear. And the angel of the Lord came to him because the people of Israel were crying out. I mean, they were like, okay, God, we give up. We need help. And so they're crying out, and so the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, and he says, and he appeared to the Lord, and he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now this is a huge statement of faith. That God is speaking through an angel to Gideon. But look at Gideon's response. In verse 13, It says, pardon me, Lord. But if the Lord is with us, why does all this stuff happen to us? I mean, where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? I sense just a little bit of sarcasm and all that. And now the Lord's abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian. And so here, here, here Gideon's response to God speaking into his life is anger. That's the first response that we have to fear. Gideon responds or pushes back with anger. Anger is the reflex of fear. Anger is a secondary emotion. If you're looking closely at anger, it's often the response of whatever fear that we're facing. So you look at the fear and you see the response of anger. Maybe you know someone or have dealt with abuse. All that is, is just the fear of losing control. That someone is is being abusive. Have you noticed that the world has never been more angry around us? I mean, we live in a pretty angry place, don't we? Some of you are on social media. Y'all live in the same world I do, right? It's angry. I mean, everywhere that I look, I see angry. We're afraid of terrorism. We're afraid of what's going to happen to the economy. We're afraid of what's going to happen in our government. And you know what? It's expressing itself through anger in all the people around us. So Gideon, he pushes back with anger. And it's real easy for you, when something happens in your life, for you to get angry. You can get angry with God. You know, God, why did you allow this to go on in my life? Or why did you let this happen to me? And you're angry and the fears in your life is causing anger because you know that God could have done something about your circumstances, but you don't feel like he did. And, I'm, you know, this is not necessarily the message that a lot of people want to hear. But the reality is, is that the life that Jesus promised you... We Sometimes we like to leave a few of the promises out. Like, you know, the one that says that in this world you're going to have trouble. You're going to have problems, you know. But take heart, I've overcome the world. He never said you're not going to have troubles or trials or hard times or the Midianites aren't going to come in and attack and invade. All he's done is he's given you the power to be an overcomer in the midst of your struggle and, the, and the, your problem. He's given it to you. But we allow fear to come in, and it robs us from allowing God's power to work through us. So the Lord comes back in verse verse 14, and he says, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So here here the angel of the Lord, again, is speaking a faith statement to Gideon. Um, Pardon me, Lord. This is Gideon. Excuse me, God. But how can I save Israel? I'm the weakest in my clan. I'm the weakest in my family. How are you going to use me? The second response to fear that we see that comes out of Gideon's life is the response of insecurity. In other words, Gideon is having a pity party. He is hiding in insecurity. A lot of our negative thinking that we have in life comes from our insecurity that is traced back to the fears that we have. So whatever insecurity that you may be facing, you know, I I heard a statistic that 60% of ladies deal with this thought every day. I'm not blank enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough. For guys, there is also insecurities that come. Do I have what it takes, or why am I failing at what I am doing? There is all these insecurities that come, and the enemy just uses those insecure those fears to create insecurities in our life, so that we will not fully accomplish the things that God has for us. Because here is the reality: we look at ourselves one way; God sees us completely differently. I mean, Gideon is looking at himself. Why would it? Why would you? Why? Why me? God's like, you're the perfect choice. You're the perfect choice. Verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the immediate nights, leaving none alive. So here, the angel of the Lord is again speaking to Gideon, and he's saying, look, you can do this. You've got this. I've got your back. You're going to do it. Uh, that's pretty encouraging, you'd think. But here Gideon is, and he replies to the Lord, he says, if if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I'll wait till your return. Now here God's saying, you got this, you can do it. You know what Gideon does? His response is control. It's, It's the third response that we have with fear is that we try... To control our circumstances, or our situation. Because here, the Lord's with him. I, guys, don't you know the Lord's going to win this battle? But Gideon just wanted to make sure. <laughs> he wanted to make sure. He, he didn't want to leave anything unchecked. And you may say, oh, that was wisdom on Gideon's part. No, it was fear on Gideon's part. When do we question God? When God says it's done, do we question God? Oh, Lord, let me just make sure it's done. If God has said it, is it not good enough? And if in the creation he said, let there be light and it was done. Why can't it it be done in our lives that simply? But yeah, Gideon decides to question God. So when we allow fear to take root, we develop a feeling that we always have to be in control. This happens, you know, we, we get hurt by someone or something. And when we're hurt, that hurt plays out. I'm I'm not going to open up my life to people anymore. Or you've been hurt in church. And because you've been hurt in church somewhere else, you're like, you know what? I'd get involved. I'm just going to come. I'm just going to sit in the back. I'm just going to... Not that all you in the back are bad. (laughs) At all. That's not what I'm saying. But it's easy to just play that put that defense mechanism up in our life, feeling like, you know what, I don't want to allow people in because you're assuming something bad is going to happen in your life again. So you guard yourself and you don't open up. Things like being a part of a small group or even going to the growth track is so intimidating to you because you're like, how could God ever use me? But here is Gideon and he's questioning God and he wants everything to be in control. He's like, God, where have you been? Now he's asking God to prove himself. And all this stems from just asking the question, what bad could happen? Maybe we need to start asking the question, what good could happen? We can't control every piece of our life and be in the safe zone. The reality is that you're actually being controlled by fear, not controlling fear. You're being controlled by it. And it'll hijack your life. See, instead of living by faith, you live by fear. God wants us to engage our faith. Look at Gideon hiding in the insecurities, threshing, threshing wheat in a wine press. But God saw him as a mighty warrior. Faith and fear are always at war with one another. Fear will rob your faith, but faith will fight your fears. Fear will suppress your life and do everything it can to keep you from accomplishing God's plan. Because ultimately, even in Gideon's life, God had a bigger plan for him than what he could see in himself. But think about it. Think about it, church. Fear has kept more good things from happening than any other force known to mankind. It's kept more businesses from being open. It's kept more mission fields from being reached. It's kept more churches from being planted it's kept more people from being saved than any other force known to mankind fear fear will blind you from the truth fear will blind you whenever your whenever fear has consumed your life you don't see the truth or the reality you see you see the reality that fear has created for you so it'll blind you from the truth Gideon couldn't see past himself because all he could see was the Midianites. All he could see was the problems. All he could see. When God was, when God was seeing a mighty warrior on the inside of him, fear will blind you from the truth, but it will also bind you to your circumstances. Because here Gideon is. He's stuck in a wine press and he's bound to those circumstances. Can I tell you something? You will never break free in your life if you're living through fear. In order to break free, you have to engage your faith and trust and believe God. But fear will block you from that. It will block your faith. Fear is the tool of the enemy, but faith is the gift of God. As a child of God, you are redeemed from the curse of fear. You know how I know that? Because 2 Timothy tells me that God is not giving you a spirit of fear but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, God has redeemed you from the spirit of fear. And for me, this is very real. Um, Standing up in front of you, you know, that that fear of um, being afraid, insecurities. I know that probably better than all of you do. I, whenever I was younger, I had this these huge insecurities. I don't even know where they came from because I had like the most amazing family. <laughs> I'm telling you, in my home, I, I cannot I cannot imagine growing up in a home with more love. I mean, I'm telling you, I, my my family they're amazing. Give yourself a hand, family. <laughs> I know a lot of my family come, you know, or the, the part of this church, and the reality is, is I can't, I don't even know where the insecurities in my life came from. I, I, I imagine they came because the enemy wanted to detour me from the destiny that God had for me at a very early age. But, man, I walked around in fear and insecurity. I wouldn't talk to people. I didn't make friends. I mean, I'm telling you, I was just a basket case. And really, just felt, just really felt like a second-class citizen most of the time. Just really felt like, you know, maybe this is just the way that it is. I literally remember, in English class, they told us we were going to give a speech, and the teacher called me up, and I just, I just did this. I'm not going up there. I am not going to humiliate myself in front of people. Are you kidding me? <laughs> And it's really my strongest gift. I mean, what, I mean, as a person that I can easily stand in front of people and share with boldness and courage the things that God has done in my life. But the reality is, is there were some things that happened to begin to open up those insecurities. And I began to realize who Christ was on the inside of me. And it began to change me. And people, began, it, it, they spoke life and love to me. I began, I began to change from the inside out, knowing who God is on the inside of me. And, and my faith grew as my security in Christ began to grow. What people thought this really didn't matter. And so all that really mattered is who Jesus was. And that's how I began to overcome fear. But you know, all those things that, all those insecurities that I had early on in life, you know what God really cultivated in, inside of me? It's such a pastor's heart. Because he gave me in those moments The opportunity to learn what it, was, what it was like To be the ones that was forgotten To feel that way Even though I might have not been that way I felt that way And how many of you know Perceived reality is reality It may not be real But perceived reality becomes your reality And that's why if you're living in fear It's so important for you to understand You have to engage your faith To break out of that To get out of that wine press And to become what God wants you to be and so just over time, I began to realize how much God really loved me. And as, as, as God grew in my heart, I cultivated this passion where God, I'm telling you, God used that in my life to reach students. I was a youth pastor for 16 years before we ever planted a church. And I'm going to tell you, you know what I learned? I, I first thought, you know, God, I can't be a youth pastor because... For one, I'm not that cool. Like I didn't have any friends in school, so how am I going to get teenagers to come to my church? Right? I mean, this was the, this was what was going on in my mind. How how do you do that? But then I learned there was a lot more uncool kids than they were were cool. there are cool. There's a lot more kids searching and needing Jesus. So I, you know, when we stopped doing youth ministry, I, when we were in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, there in our student ministry, we had over 200 kids that were coming. And they, are, they were not the cool kids. And I learned that it was so much easier to reach those who, who, who were marginalized. Who just needed someone to love them. And God gave it to me. He put it in my heart to never let anyone be missed. To never allow any person to feel like that they weren't loved. So I mean, I just, I loved walking around, hugging, giving hugs, and just loving all those students. And I still do it today. Still do it today. As a pastor, God's put that pastor's heart inside of me. Ultimately, what the enemy wanted to use for bad, God used it to good. He used it because when I began to engage my faith, I began to realize the gifts and the callings that God put inside of me. I'm going to give you something. Whenever you begin to to see fear, whenever fear begins to come into your life, I want to give you something that's going to help you. First of all, stand your ground. This is going to help you spot fear. And when you spot it, stand your ground. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the, the, the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The, the Egyptians you see today will never see you again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. So just stand your ground. When fear comes in, just say, you know what? God's going to fight my battles for me. God's going to fight this thing for me. And here you find the children of Israel on the edge of the Red Sea. And they had a choice to make. What are they going to do? They're going to go back to Egypt. But they chose to stand their ground that day. So when you spot for your stand your ground. The second thing is to do is to pray for peace. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Pray for peace. And, and God will supernaturally and can supernaturally give you a sense of peace in your life. Where fear cannot come in. Because love drives out fear. The love of God drives out fear and brings peace. So stand your ground, pray for peace, and object to the lies of the enemy. Fear is coming after you. But you've got you to fight back. You've got to fight back. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You fight back when the enemy comes after you. Remember this, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And the last one is to trust in God. The psalmist said in Psalm 56, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise. In God who I trust, I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Trusting God is a matter of faith. So here's the rest of the story. So Gideon overcame his fear... By putting his trust in God. And we see that he became victorious. And he did, lead, he did lead Israel out of the hand of Midian. But it's probably not like what you and I would have put together. The story is very interesting. In Judges chapter 7. We find out what happens. Because here Gideon is. He, he gathers an army of men. 32,000 men. We're going to go defeat Midian. But the Lord speaks to Gideon, and he says this: He says, "Now now announce to anyone in the army, anyone who trembles with fear, you can go home." Basically, is what he says. I'm just paraphrasing. Twenty-two thousand people packed their bags and they left. Now, here's what most people would say: That's that's not that great to go from. 32,000 to 10,000. But you know what he eliminated, right? Everyone who had fear. Um, Have you ever heard of addition by subtraction? See, I would rather have an army of 10,000 filled with faith than 32,000 filled with fear. I'd rather have an army of 10,000 filled with faith than 32,000 guys filled with fear. So here's the deal. You're going to be scared? Go home. God is going to give us the victory, and if you don't believe it, if you don't have faith, if you can't engage your faith and trust God for it, then go home. God wasn't actually done yet because he put them through another test and said, Gideon, that's still too many guys. So we gave him another test. They went down to the, to the river and they did a test. and He sent all but 300 home. Again, I would still rather have... He went from an army to like a team. <laughs> we're going to have a little powwow. We're going to put our team meeting together. Now we're going now <laughs> to see what happens. But I would rather have the right team. And he had the right guys on the boat this time. And the right team. They, they, these guys are filled with faith. They're behind Gideon. They believe that God's going to win. And then God gives them this strategy that I think is just probably one of the worst military strategies I have ever seen. Uh, no weapons. You don't need any weapons. All you need is a, some, You need some torches. You need a few jars. Get your guys that play the trumpets. And then we're just going to shout. I'm like, are you bringing the choir? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm telling you, you won't find anybody in the military that thinks that's a very good strategy. (laughs) But that was what God's strategy was. And what's incredible is what God actually did. Because as they surrounded the Midianites, they lit their torches, broke their jars, they began to shout, and they began to blow the trumpet. And you know what happened? The Midianites turned on themselves and killed themselves. Can I tell you something? What God wants to do in our life is so much greater than what we could ever imagine. I mean, they didn't even have to get their hands dirty. When God was looking at Gideon and he was calling him a mighty warrior, he didn't even have to go do nothing. That's how beautiful it is when God's working through you. When the Spirit of God is working through you, there's nothing that you can't do. I love what the Word of God tells us in Ephesians. That He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above above all we could ever ask or think. Which tells me that He can do a lot more in my life than I could ever have dreamed. Today it's time to fight because the future is on the other side of your fear. You can, you can fight and you can win the victory in your life. So I don't know what fear you're facing. I don't know what you're dealing with. That it's causing fear. It could be something, you know, in your workplace. It could be something that's dealing with your family. I don't know how fear is showing up in your life. And I don't know how it's being played out. I don't know if it's being played out with anger, insecurity, or control. But the reality is, is you'll never accomplish the things that God wants to accomplish in your life as long as you're living in fear. So I'm encouraging you this morning. Give that to God today. Give it to God and allow God to just inject you with a fresh faith that is not from you, but it's through His Holy Spirit. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com.